This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. How I Got My Wife to Read Comics Episode 579 Can a comic book collector of over 30 years get his wife to read them? Will she let him keep them? Learn more in this podcast. Let's go to the comic book lounge with Mindy and Mark. Halloween gets longer. Who's black and gold and wonder all over? Black Hammer goes through the looking glass. Mark Russell says, my bad. Cal visits the Bottle City, whether he wants to or not. Justice Leaguers versus Nazis. Could the human target be taken out by one punch? And industry news. This is how I got my wife to read comics for Sunday, November 7th, 2021. I'm Mark. And I'm Mindy. Just a reminder, you can go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get our feed, other SF podcasts and blogs, or subscribe with your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com, like us at facebook.com slash sfppn, follow us on Twitter at sfppn, check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn, or call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. First off, in honor of Halloween, Batman the Long Halloween Special by Loeb, Sale, Wagner, and Starkings. 25 years ago, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale created a 13-issue miniseries called Batman The Long Halloween, set during his early days of crime fighting. Harvey Dent, who becomes Two-Faced during the run, Calendar Man, the Moroni and Falcone crime families, and a new foe named Holiday are featured, along with the regular rogues gallery. The book influenced Nolan's Batman film trilogy as well as the upcoming The Batman Film, There's also a two-part animated film based on the event. So the creators came back together to write a coda to that event. We kicked things off a few weeks prior to Halloween, where Calendar Man has brought together a team of goons to rob for him. Batman catches them, but they won't talk. Bruce and Gordon discuss it on the rooftop, and the commissioner notes that he misses Dent. He also asks if his daughter Barbara can go trick-or-treating with Dick Grayson, They are both kids at this point. Gilda Dent has returned, and after talking her way past guard Solomon Grundy, reunites with Harvey. He wonders why she did so with his now hideous face. She just sees her Apollo. At the Batcave, Bruce and Alfred discuss Julian's plans. Alfred notes that Robin could help, but Bruce says he's not ready. Julian's disciples march into an abandoned church in Crime Alley. Wouldn't you think Bruce would have just bought up all the buildings there? He executes the goons who got caught by the bat. Now it's Halloween. The dents prepare for trick-or-treaters, only for Julian's goons to attack Gilda. Batman shows up with Robin at Gordon's door to meet Babs. They're wearing their costumes for trick-or-treat. Harvey calls Batman via the bat signal, begging for his help to save Gilda. Robin sees the signal and bolts. Calendar Man has Gilda in a confessional, furious that she, a.k.a. Holiday, stole his bit. Dent breaks in, wearing Julian's garb as instructed. Julian gets Harvey to help steal a gem before Robin breaks up the party. Oh, and Harvey isn't Harvey. It's Batman in disguise. How did he get the ears under the mask? 
Meanwhile, the real Harvey and Grundy rescue Gilda only for Grundy to fall on an explosive to save them. Of course, Grundy can't die. Batman beats the crap out of Julian, even after Julian notes that he's an orphan too. The dents get away, and it's inferred that, like Batman and Robin, they're also a team. Leaving things open for a new story. Wonder Woman Black and Gold Issue 5 by Tomasi, Alami, Anwar, Brasso, Busiek, Dewey, Campbell, Dananda, and Nguyen. More of Diana's out-of-continuity short stories. Hell's a Poppin' has Diana breaking into hell to rescue Hephaestus, defeating various demons along the way. Beyond the Horizon sees Diana fighting a huge sea serpent, only to find it's the spirit of a young girl tortured by the death of her family below the waves. How the Wonder Woman was brought low by a mouse but captured the stars has Steve and Diana captured by Dr. Cyber and Mouse Man. A girl breaks them out, and Diana defeats who the villainous duo broke out, the human firework. Feet of Clay takes us back to Diana's origin, with Hippolyta forming her from Clay. Antiope is against it, but ends up agreeing to train the girl, even giving Diana the mask she uses to compete in the games to determine who will go to man's world. Memories of Hator is a callback to a 1948 comic involving an alien princess named Badra. She's now an older woman living on Earth, with Diana dropping off to give her a gift. There's a lot of erudite discussion about the value of things. And in the end, Diana leaves her Badra's crown. Just one more issue to go in this series. Black Hammer Reborn Number 5 from Dark Horse by Lemire, Ward, Sheehan, and Picos. We're back with Lucy, having just seen Colonel Weird vaporizing her family in their living room. She finds a beeping device in her daughter's backpack. Meanwhile, we're back 20 years ago in the aftermath of her lethal battle with Doc Andromeda. Her detective friend convinces her to destroy all evidence of him. Then back to the beeper. Lucy sees an alternate spiral city hovering upside down over her cities. The authorities confront her, then ask if she knows how to stop the other city from crushing them. Instead, she follows the beeper signal to the alternate city, finding Skull Digger. He called her there to help him find the still-living Doc Andromeda in this city in order to end all this. Suddenly, they're attacked by the Liberty Squadron, headed by Sherlock Frankenstein and featuring alternative versions of the characters we know. There's a backup story about Inspector Inspector in the limbo where half-baked characters wind up. My Bad Number One from Ahoy Comics by Russell, Ingram, and Krauss. Mark Russell returns for another swipe at modern culture under the guise of Silver Age comic tropes. It's an important new superhero universe with valuable new IP, according to the cover. We begin with Happy Birthday, a tale of the mysterious crime writer known as the Chandelier, who has more than a passing resemblance to a certain dark knight. After breaking up a robbery in his lighting-inspired headgear, he's the heir to a lighting fortune, our hero receives a gift at home. Unfortunately, it's from supervillain Emperor King, which means he knows his secret identity. After a maid refuses to open the gift, our hero calls in an old friend, Manchild, a guy who looks like David Spade, but can turn into a certain incredible green hulking monster. Apparently, their friendship ended after an argument on whether a live album is really an album. Anyway, Manchild figures out Chandelier wants him to open what must be a trap, but turns out to be a salad shooter. After a page of fake 60s-style novelty ads, 
joke Bible, cause a stink in church, literally. We move on to the accelerator in Accelerlicious. Our favorite ultra-fast alien hero is opening another franchise of a chicken joint along with his human wife. Emperor King tries to shoot down the fun, but Accelerator leaves him in the Yukon. Then, it's a page from the somewhat official handbook of the important new superhero universe, introducing us to Rush Hour, a hero concentrating on traffic issues. Two minutes has us back with Emperor King, who, after being awoken from a dream, learns that his trap has caught the Accelerator. The hero has used his ultra-charisma to get the villain to release him from a death trap previously, but this new trap has no off switch. Unfortunately, it caught Rush Hour instead. I'm really sorry, dude. My bad. The comic finishes up with a letter column, a bad libs page, and a faux hostess ad. This is my kind of comic. Ahoy is really doing a lot of neat stuff. Hitting it out of the park. Superman 78, number 3 of 6 by Venditti, Taurus, and Belair. Clark is about to be taken into custody by Brainiac's drones when the people of Metropolis come to his aid. Brainiac threatens to excise the city, and Cal talks them down. Soups and Lois have a tearful goodbye, and Lex drops by to congratulate Brainiac. Cal is taken to the spaceship and preserved. Where? In the bottle city of Candor with Jor-El and Lara, who were saved by Brainiac just as Krypton exploded. Meanwhile, at the Daily Planet, Lois finishes the story of Superman's defeat, along with a side story, Mysterious Batman Terrorizes Gotham. Back in the bottle, Lara explains to Cal what's going on, learns about the Kents and Lois. Jor-El says his science has never found a way to escape and asks Cal to accept it. Lois receives a message about Superman, and she follows up, only to be chloroformed. She wakes up in Lex's lab. He brought her there to document his plan. Lex Baby is going to bring back Superman. So I guess nobody else can take out Superman but him. Yes, I'm guessing that's the idea. <laughs> Justice League Infinity, number five, by DeMatteis, Tucker, Beavers, and Velarde. We begin with narration from a mysterious oracle, then cut to a multiversal league finding Diana and a dead dark side. Diana meets Unati, the Wonder Woman of Earth-D. They don't hit it off. In a long flashback, we see the two supermen team up with the heroes of a vandal-savage-controlled Earth, composed of otherwise supervillains, to bring down the regime. They do so rather handily, only to find an aged savage watching as reality collapses. He kills Zod, and Doomsday goes to kill him before Superman of Earth-D stops him. They are then hit with a psychic blast, which they follow to a chamber holding the Oracle. It's that universe's Martian Manhunter, now mostly senseless after Vandal's torture. The two Johns meet, and the Oracle drops a mental load on the other before collapsing into goo. Clark and Diana note how strange it is that their doppelgangers on Earth-D are married. The now unified team goes off to find the source of all the problems, a chaotic scene with League members floating through it. The Human Target Book 1 from DC Black Label by King and Smallwood. Despite my trepidation, I'm giving Tom King another chance. As usual, the opening is promising. Human Target is Christopher Chance, a character going back to 1972. He's a P.I. slash bodyguard who disguises himself as his client in order to find out who wants to kill them by becoming the bait. 
Many creators have taken a shot at the character, backup stories in the 70s and 80s, a Rick Springfield starring TV series in 1991, a Vertigo series in the late 90s and early aughts, a second TV series on Fox in 2010, guest appearances in CW's Arrowverse, and now Tom King. Per King's usual MO, we begin at the end as Chance is dying. We rewind through the last 12 days with reference to Red Rocket, John Jones, Ted, and Guy. And then we're back at the beginning with Chase working for Lex Luthor, who suspects he's going to be attacked, which does happen at a public event. Chance takes the hit and stops the attacker, who we learn was influenced by Lex to come out publicly. In the aftermath, Chance begins to cough violently, waking up going 80 miles per hour in his sports car and drunkenly hitting a tree. He wakes up in a hospital bed with Dr. Midnight attending. The hero community was watching out for him. The doctor tells him he was poisoned and only has 12 days to live. Chance doesn't want to clear up his affairs, but he does want to find who poisoned him. Lex is the obvious suspect, but Lex insists he didn't do it. Later, Dr. Midnight has found a clue. There's a radiation signature involved that is only carried by one group after a trip to another dimension. Justice League International? Someone in the Boahaha team poisoned him? Well, Christopher Chance is going to find out. We do have one piece of industry news. The workers at Image Comics have officially formed a union represented by the Communication Workers of America. Now, from statements made so far, it appears that the publisher is already doing a lot of what they want, but the idea is they want this all codified and used industry-wide. Now, we've since learned that Image is going to take this to third-party arbitration. They didn't just agree to it. But whether Image and the rest of the industry will go for this, especially the big two, which, frankly, if they don't get the big two, it's probably not worth the trouble, is yet to be seen. AnnouncerBot, how can the folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe by your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com slash sfppn. Follow us on Twitter at sfppn. Check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn. Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.